Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. Our author is getting into a section of the book talking about the rest of God and how our faithfulness as Christians is connected to our reception of that rest in our lives, the rest that is promised to God's people. So let's look at our text here, see what we see, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses was also faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial of the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, and I said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, excuse me, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. In Hebrews, there are a few passages that people get all twitterpated about, thinking that God is saying that you can lose your salvation. Once you've really been saved, you can forfeit or lose that salvation. A great and easy book to read on that subject is H.A. Ironside's The Eternal Security of the Believer. You can read it free online. It's uh, short and, and simple. It builds a strong biblical case of why it is impossible for a Christian to lose or forfeit his eternal salvation from Scripture and, and from logic. But this chapter is one where a person might read it and start to feel a little bit nervous about a couple of those verses thinking that God is holding heaven hostage, holding heaven at arm's length from us uh, until you've proven that, well, have you held firm enough or have you really earned it enough to the end? But if we follow what the author is talking about and what he's been talking about, we can see that contextually he hasn't really been talking about salvation. He hasn't been talking about a person who, um, he hasn't been talking about the balance of receiving heaven or not receiving heaven. He's been talking to believers, to Christians, about not drifting away from God and thereby missing out on God's power in their daily lives. Here he starts referring to the rest of God and entering into God's rest. And in chapter 4, he's going to develop more about what this rest is. We'll see it next week. Really, these two chapters would be better if we could take them together, but we don't have time for that. But as you look at this section, it's clear that these warnings aren't referring to eternal salvation in heaven. They're referring to someone else. Here's why. First of all, He's already made the assumption that he's talking to believers. And to those believers, he's been talking about the future kingdom where we and, and his original readers 
are going to rule and reign. He said in the last chapter to these readers that they no longer have to fear death because Jesus destroyed the power of death. If we were ever in danger of forfeiting our salvation because of because we've lost some zeal or because we've lost some confidence or because we haven't really persevered enough to the end, then, then the scriptures can't tell us to not fear death. We, it would say, Jesus won the victory over death, but you still have to be afraid of it, uh, you know, unless you earn your salvation every moment of every day. Uh, so Jesus, did, uh, so the passage, of the text that we're given, especially last week, didn't say Jesus tasted death for you if you earn salvation up to the very last moment of your life. He said, no, Jesus tasted death for you who believe, and you no longer have to be afraid. He has unshackled you from that fear. We saw that last week. Second, in our text this morning, we are given the illustration of Israel refusing to go into the promised land and therefore being punished by God. Now, that generation of Israelites missed out on the inheritance God wanted for them, but they didn't cease being his people. When that happened, he said, okay, listen, you're not going to enter in. I wanted you to go to the promised land. This generation is, is not going to go in now because you rebelled and rejected me. I have to discipline you now. But he didn't say, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to wipe you guys off my plan. I'm going to go find a new Abraham and find a new people out of him to, to you know, bring into the promised land. Now, they were still his people. He just said, listen, if you don't want what I'm offering you, I'm not going to force you to have it. And then when they turned around and said, well, we want it, but we want it on our terms, the Lord said, no, it's just not how it works. So the third reason why this passage isn't talking about salvation is because here and in chapter 4, there's a strong focus on today. You see that word a couple of times, and then in the next chapter, we're going to see an urgency about today. Uh, in chapter 4, the author is going to be talking about this rest, the rest of God that's referenced here. And he's going to say this in uh, verses 7 and 11. He says, again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, and then let us therefore be, uh, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So this can't be talking about our eternal salvation because we cannot enter heaven today. And we're going to be commanded in the next chapter to enter the rest of God today uh, through our faithfulness to Him. So the rest that's being talked about isn't an secure, eternal security issue. It's about God's power and His ability to pour out, pour out His grace on your life and uh, entering into what He wants to give to us as His people. What Hebrews 3 is talking about is us as Christians partaking of Christ today so that we don't miss out on what the Lord is offering to us as co-heirs of His inheritance. Uh, the generation of Israel in the passage reference did miss out on the inheritance of Canaan. They didn't stop being the people of God, but they failed to receive the gift that God wanted to give them because they didn't trust God. And so they had to live out their lives in the wilderness there. And that's not what the Lord wanted. It wasn't what was better for them. It's not even what really they wanted. But they weren't trusting the Lord, and they weren't partaking of what God was giving to them. And then they wanted to get things from the Lord on their own terms, as we saw. And God, you know, God just had to show them that that's not how it works. You don't get to decide how you receive my will or how you receive the things I want for you. I decide. I decide when you're supposed to go in, and if you rebel against that, there's going to have to be discipline and uh, some restructuring there. 
In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come to me, I'll give you rest, I will take your burdens, you'll find what you're looking for. And he revealed that God is ready and waiting to pour out onto our lives the things that we need, plus much more, for daily living. Where we fail as human beings is saying, God, you come to me and give me the things that I'm asking for. And the Lord says, yeah, if you want what I'm offering, you come to me on my terms. You come in and you bow your knee to me. Now, he, his terms are gracious and they're loving, but the Lord has his terms that we come to him on. We submit to him, not the other way around. We submit to God's plan and his terms and his control. And so here in our text, we're reminded that Christianity is not an affiliation. It's a household. And I think a lot of times in a, uh, in a place like America where being a Christian um, isn't very dangerous and doesn't necessarily have to be very costly. I think sometimes we can kind of slip into a mentality where I'm affiliated as a Christian. We even say on the forums, right? Religious affiliation. And here in our text, we're being reminded by the Holy Spirit that you know, your, your faith in Christ is not an affiliation. It is a household. God who made all things is the creator and ruler of that house. And we are called to a place within it. And today, I should live in that house and partake of my relationship with Christ so that I can receive the inheritance and the gifts that he's wanting to give me. And here's how I do that today. First, in verse 7, we're exhorted, uh, exhorted that today we must hear God. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, hear his voice. That means that we're clearing space in our hearts and in our lives to hear from God today. Uh, to not assume that the Lord isn't going to say anything to us this morning or this afternoon or at some point uh, today. Much to the contrary, when we read the Bible, we get a picture of a God who is constantly talking and revealing himself to his people so that he can direct them and teach them and comfort them. And so in our text it says, hey, today hear the voice of God as he tries to speak to you so that you can receive that direction and that comfort and that encouragement that God wants to give you. One major way that God speaks to us is through the scriptures, which is why a fundamental idea in Christianity is the regular reading and taking in of God's word. It's not that we have to read a certain number of chapters each day, otherwise God is angry about us. That's backwards. Uh, it's that God wants to speak to us, and one huge, obvious way he does it is through the Bible. And so God went to considerable lengths to get his word into our hands, and so we should be feeding on it regularly so that the Lord can deliver the direction and encouragement that he's trying to send our way. And so Hebrews chapter 3, first of all, says, hey, today hear from God. Don't, don't fail to listen to what uh, your master is saying. In verses 8 and 9, we're told that today we should soften our hearts and submit to God's authority over our lives. That was the trouble that the Israelites had in the wilderness. They weren't soft-hearted. They weren't submitted to God. And to me, that example was a reminder that being a Christian doesn't mean I'm automatically soft-hearted. God's people are, are not immune from the problems of pride or bitterness or prejudice. So even though the Lord puts a, you know, a new life into our hearts, makes us a new creation, we know, obviously, from personal experience and from the scriptures that there's still that old nature warring with the new nature inside of us. And so it's so an important thing to remember that, okay, I'm not immune from the problem of pride. I'm not immune from the problem of bitterness. I'm not immune from these issues of the heart that cause a hardening and, and cause uh, that lead to rebellion. God cares about the heart. And, and if our hearts are hard and rebellious, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. 
And we're certainly going to miss out on some of the gifts that want to get us. But it happens to God's people when they're not carefully watching the condition of their hearts. Look at Israel. Look at the Pharisees. Even look at some of the early believers in Jerusalem who were pretty upset when the gospel was being preached to the Gentiles. All that stuff was going on with Paul. And so they had to the Jerusalem council and a bunch of people there. They were believers. They loved the Lord. They, they were not happy, you know, hey, we can't be preaching to the Gentiles. You know, we can't be doing this. We, you know, they need to fall in line first before we interact with them. And so we need to make sure our hearts are soft. That doesn't mean we all become touchy-feely in how we behave. What we're talking about is a heart that is sensitive to sin, a heart that feels compassion for the lost, uh, compassion for suffering people around us. It's a heart that's willing to change direction when it does hear the Lord speaking to it. And if we're not experiencing those things in our personal lives, if we're not really phased when we realize we've sinned, uh, if we allow prejudice to smother out our compassion, if we're too set in our ways to ever do something new or different for the Lord, then that's a sign that we're hard-hearted, and a hard heart is headed towards rebellion. In verse 12, we're instructed that today we must believe. The just shall live by faith, and that means that today I should believe that God wants to do a work in my life and through my life. I have to choose to walk in faith, believing that God is working something important and spiritual out through my actions and circumstances. And also that means that I believe there is more to life than uh, my personal comfort or my personal wealth. Today as I live, I should have the understanding that the God of the universe is maneuvering all around me in order to bring himself glory, in order to fashion me into his image, and in order to impact the lives of the people that are around me. And if I believe that, if I believe today that God wants to use my life to do something for his kingdom, then my decisions and my choices and my habits should be filtered through heaven, filtered through the word. Every decision I make isn't going to be the most fiscally beneficial. Every action I take isn't going to lead me to the most physical comfort. But if I believe what God has said, and if I'm living by faith, then the Lord is going to be able to get me into a position where my life can accomplish his goals. You know, where I can get into that place of rest that he's bringing me to. In verse 13, we're told that today we are to exhort each other. And there's a real urgency in that verse as we read it. And the word the author uses is a really rich word, one of those great Greek words. It's elsewhere translated in the New Testament as encourage or to plead or to pray or to comfort or to call to one side. And so it's a really great word. And here we're commanded to minister to others, minister to other believers, come alongside them, pray with them, comfort them, exhort them when they're headed towards sin, encourage them in their service. And really, there's a lot of ministry that we can do one to another in the house of God. And the reminder for myself is that ministering to the people around us isn't something that's been left for someone else to do. God looks at me and he says, no, I'm leaving that for you to do. I want you to minister to the people around you. I want them to minister to you. I want you all to be ministering to each other, not just leaving that for a few people to do. For some reason, you know, it's easier to talk with our friends about cars than it is to talk with them about Jesus. That's just part of human nature. But we've got to train ourselves out of that timidity and out of that mindset because we're invited to enter into God's rest today. God comes to us and he says, hey, you in enter into what I'm offering you today, right now. And I want to partake of Christ and the inheritance he's offering so that I'm not missing out on all of that promise and all of that goodness like the Israelites did. 
again, back to that illustration of them in the wilderness, they held themselves back from the promised land. God didn't hold that back from them. God didn't say, hey, jump through these hoops or earn it in this way or, or anything like that. He says, there it is. Go, go have it. And they held themselves back from what he was offering. And when I see that example, it makes me want to be sure I'm not holding myself back from what God is offering to me. That wisdom and peace and the testimonies he wants to build in my life and the gifts of the Spirit he's prepared for me and all the other incredible things that we see God doing in the life of his people and the promises he makes to his people. But if I'm living today and looking for you know, some human philosophy to, to power my daily life, then of course I'm going to miss out on the wisdom God's trying to give me. Or if I'm running away from my calling of, of ministry, then I'm not going to experience the peace of the Lord. I'm going to be like Jonah who ran away from his calling and, and couldn't experience peace. Uh, or if I'm not faithful as a Christian in my relationship to God and my place in his house, then the Lord is going to have a much harder time building testimonies to use for his glory and purposes. You know, in the, uh, in the illustration of the potter and the clay, it's talked about, okay, well, if the clay refuses to be molded, eventually the potter's just going to set it on the shelf and say, hey, if you don't want to be fashioned into a vessel, then, okay, then I'll, I'll put you over here for a while and find someone who wants to have a testimony built into their life. Or if I don't want to spend time with God's people serving in the church, then I'm certainly not going to receive those gifts of the Spirit God wants to give me in order to build up the body of Christ. And so that's the deal. That's the kind of stuff the Lord has made available to us in this life. But we can miss out on it. We can hold ourselves back from it if we're not living today like a real Christian. Not an affiliated Christian, but a Christian in the household of God. A real member of God's house submitted to His Word and His authority. And so yesterday is gone. Tomorrow might not come for us. So today is the day. Today is the day for us to hear and to believe and to be used and to enter into the rest that Jesus has promised. And so while it's today, partake of Christ to be a real Christian and receive what God has stored up for you. Amen? Amen. All right.